0: Well guys, good to see everybody here. Appreciate you coming out. Now, does everybody here um, uh, already have a men's ministry at your church? If you do, raise your hand. Do you have a ministry, an active ministry? No? What would you consider active? Um, <laughs> well, maybe the men get together on occasions. <laughs> okay, on occasions will work. Well, now, here today in the first session, uh, I'm sorry, let me introduce myself first. My name is Keith Stevens. Uh, my son and I, Conan, are the co-men's directors for the state of Ohio. I'm a, a lead pastor. I pastor a church in uh, Canton, Ohio, Grace Fellowship. Um, my son pastors in uh, uh, at C3 uh, in, in, just outside of Indianapolis in Pickerington, Ohio. And today, I've invited my associate pastor, Tony Barkowski, is also going to share. He and I is going to kind of do some team Uh, teaching, if you will, and sharing some things on expanding your men's ministry. So we're basically going to be talking about if you already have something in place, how can we make that better? But now some of you don't have one. That's okay too, because what we're going to share really goes right along with what Conan shared earlier. Um, And by the way, you can download any of these sessions later by going to um, our Ohio Network um, and going on to Men's Ministry, med- uh, Men's Ministry, I'm sorry, going on to uh, Synergy and, and picking the different class that you would like to possibly hear. So, so, so you can take these home with you and then dissect them after you get home. I mean, you can download them and, and back up and listen or pick up some things like that. So, but what we're going to be sharing here is we're going to be sharing two ways that we are going to help Men's Ministry grow hopefully to that next level. And what I'm going to deal with is, is the spiritual side of men's ministry we are a Christian men's ministry a lot of mens a lot of ministries get together or a lot of men's groups in churches and they have fellowship they'll do a breakfast they'll do an outing they'll go to a game and these are all good things but those are fellowship groups not necessarily men's uh well okay christian men's fellowship group but they're not really being taught or trained and we're not really trying, or not really accomplishing i feel what men's ministry should be going after is not just the social side of a man but the spiritual side of a man and i know all of us here would agree with that we're christians okay and we want to do that so how do we how do we do that how do we have a deeper spiritual relationship how do we have a holy spirit experience and i'm going to ask uh, tony if he would he's going to come and just share uh some things on that very subject and then i'll be back in a few minutes to uh to take even another direction on that tony Barkowski.
1: thank you tony all right so he shared with you the first one we're going to talk about a little bit the how to take your men's ministry to the next level and the first one we're going to talk about is taking them to a deeper spiritual level Uh, I would say, I'd say a lot of, just kind of what Pastor even said, a lot of men's ministries feel the pressure to perform, right? In our culture, um, we live in a very fast-paced culture, very technological culture, especially when you're dealing with younger men. like we're, It's almost like we're competing for their attention of, of, can we get them to come to an event? Can we get them to come hang out at the church as opposed to go hang out somewhere else? So um, they, they say men's ministry in our culture is the most difficult type of ministry to do because everything about our culture is vying for a man's time. His his family, his job, and you throw church into it, if he has hobbies on the side, like everything is trying for his attention and his time. So it's extremely difficult to try to get them to commit to something as far as a ministry goes, especially when they don't come from the idea that church is as, as important as their job or their family or even their hobby. Um, you know i I think we look at two obviously we can see the statistics say that satan attacks men of the family harder than anybody else you know it's not saying that that anything else is less and women or children are less but we know the effect when a man serves god the effect on his family satan knows those statistics too and he's going to do everything he can to jack that up as much as possible um yeah, you know, we feel like as men's ministries we kinda of have to have the coolest thing out there, right? We have to we have to be the, the best, we have to the sound the best, we have to say the coolest things, or we have to spend a lot of money in food or giveaways to try to get guys to come to something we're doing. So I mean you have you've, you've been around church long enough to know that if you want to deepen spiritual relationships with something, you do it through discipleship. Right, we, you, you've probably all sat. You've probably all taught classes on discipleship. You've got small groups at your church about how to do discipleship. But that's kind of just our answer to the, for the first one. How do you deepen the spiritual relationships with your guys, with your ministries to take it to the next level? Is discipleship. So naturally, uh, you, you know, you've you've heard that um, it, it's the true answer for it, especially in our culture. That's so such a consuming culture. Some people choose um, different methods to do discipleship. Unfortunately, discipleship isn't as I can say this isn't as sexy uh, as as just a big cool ministry because it's a slower type of ministry, right? It's it's a little bit messier type of ministry. Discipleship is usually that more one-on-one, that more intimate kind of relationship. And that's not as attractive to people because when normally when you get together with other ministers, it's hey, how many guys do you have? Hey, how many guys do you have? And that's the only that's the only number we ask, or the only question we ask. And it's it's not as sexy, it's not as, as cool, it's not as clean, it's not as fast growing. Discipleship is messy, it's hard. You get down in the mud with people, you get dirty yourself, right? But if we're talking about really having a men's ministry. Where we're changing men's lives for the better, challenging them to be, you know, more more godly men, more godly uh, parents, more godly husbands. To deepen that relationship, it's got to be it's got to be discipleship. Listen, I, I I don't want you to hear me on that events are bad and things they they can be great, but they they are strictly supposed to be a supplement to your men's ministry, especially if we're going to produce men of God. As long as, uh, as I, I would say this too, a long, as long as events are done intentionally, that they can complement your goal of your ministry. If your ministry is obviously to bring in more guys, if you're going to do an event, just make it intentional that you're going to bring in new guys, or more guys. Or if you're going to do an event, this was an example that I did one time, we did a camp out. And obviously, you know, guys, hey, I want to go camping, yeah, that's cool. You know, Church group, well, okay, I'll, I'll go with that, you know, I'll try it. But, if you can make your camp out intentional, and here, here was here was an example. Uh, we, we did a camp out and we wanted we wanted everyone to understand the team aspect and how they needed brothers in Christ to get through things, especially in difficult times. So on the hike in, we actually had that every every certain amount of distance, one man had to act like he was crippled and he couldn't walk. So the rest of the group had to carry his pack, had to carry him, they had to fashion whatever it was in the woods to help carry this guy. So not only was every guy experiencing carrying another dude, the guy who had to be carried experienced what it was like to be an invalid and to have to rely on other people. So we were intentional about teaching a lesson through something we were doing that a guy would naturally come to. So I'm not saying events are are bad or campouts are bad or barbecues are bad, but just have some intent to it because if it comes to, I'll talk about this a little bit later, but if it comes to them coming to a barbecue or them going to a nightclub you're not going to compete with a nightclub (laughs) don't try to compete with a nightclub as far as being the coolest thing having the coolest sound or the coolest lights that's not our job as a church we're not trying to compete with that let me i'll leave you hanging there we'll come back to that a little bit later um Whenever you're doing an event, you have to be willing to answer uh, the question of, you know, what is the purpose of this event for our men's ministry? How is it going to help us develop this? So, okay, so discipleship, right? The ability to get close to someone, to be authentic with them, to have vulnerable, authentic relationships. There's different ways to do this, right? You've seen different ways. You've heard different ways. The the most cutting-edge way of how to do your discipleship. Your ministry has to enable men to have one-on-one relationships. It's a vital part of a successful discipleship. You have to allow men to get in one-on-one, close-knit relationships where not only do you know their name, you know what their job is, you know what their family's like, you know their kids' names. You have to allow yourself and your ministry to get close enough to them. So the question would say this. Say you have 20 guys in your ministry. How do you reach... Twenty guys, one at a time, right? And I don't know. I don't know how long you've been in men's ministry, but you'll get to a point where I don't have enough time to give each one of these men the appropriate amount of time they need. I want a disciple. I would say most of our heart would say I want. To, I want to be like Jesus. I want to disciple twelve guys. I mean, Jesus only had twelve. Sometimes we try to do more than twelve, and it's like, dude, if Jesus couldn't. Not that he couldn't pour into more, but he chose to pour into 12. We probably shouldn't take on more than 12. <laughs> how do you do 20 guys one at a time? So it's a million dollar question. I want to be effective, but how do I sit down with 20 guys? How do I pour into 20 guys lives in, in, in valuable ways, in valuable settings? Uh, my dad growing up, we, we moved a lot and we would go to different churches and um, and I moved like 17 times when I was from from before I ended up leaving the house uh, for college and whatnot. Um, and we would go to all these different churches. And actually, we would go and we'd find a church before we'd find a house to live in. We'd find the church, and then we'd find you know 15, within 15 minutes. So we were very much based on what ministry we were going to do while we were at the location. Uh, but my dad would go into the head pastor, and one of the first conversations he'd have, he'd say, "All right, we're here. We're the Barkowski family." We're going we're gonna to be here for I don't know how long, but we want to help while we're here. We want to carry weight. We don't want to be weight. And I, I've, that's just stuck with me since then. So, Tony, what are you talking about? I'm saying that if you're going to do discipleship well, you have to bring men along and train them along with you to help carry weight. Because if you try to carry weight of 20 guys, 15 guys, 10 guys by yourself, it's going to get too heavy. And either it's going to cause failure in your life, it's going to cause failure in your job, it's going to cause failure in your marriage because you're so spread thin because you're carrying the weight by yourself. So uh, obviously we want to grow bigger. We want to be effective in our ministry. How do you do it? You have to get people along to carry weight. Um, To grow bigger than you, you have to duplicate yourself. We all know most of the time men with with leadership capability don't just pop up out of the nowhere. <laughs> we we don't always have capable men at our fingertips and say, "Hey, come lead with me." You know, sometimes we have to create them, and that's that is messy as well. That's part of the discipleship. We have to train them along. So, what Pastor's going to do is he's actually come up. Uh, he's he's got a process that him and Conan came across uh, a couple years ago. That's been a very successful um, strategy, if you will, for how to build your ministry to be able to have guys that, that carry weight
0: some of you fellows are here because you have a heart for men's ministry some of you are, are are saying that you don't have a ministry at this time so if God's laying this on your heart you may have more responsibility than you think you do you know because God is, has, is touching you. you found this interest when he's going down the list oh that interests me I want to know about that I want to know how to do that well why do you want to know that there's something within you that says we need to do this at my church So what I want to do, the first step, I think, in in, in developing a well-rounded men's ministry is you obviously have to connect men to men. And that's why I'm going to show you at least one tool that you could do to help to do that. But where do we start? I want to encourage you, since so many of you in here are, are not having an active one or one that's going very quickly, you always start right where you're at. You know, instead of saying, but I want to win men in the community, I want to get 20, 30 men in here, but this or that. Hey, start with who you have. Look at what God has given you already. You've got a church full of, maybe not full of men, maybe you got a few men. Well, hey, if God's laying this on your heart, there's a purpose behind this, as we, of course, would well know. Now, we have two philosophies about men's ministry. One, the old philosophy is a man comes in, gives his life to Christ, and 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 becomes the believer that he needs to be. He starts attending church, brings his family Folks, it doesn't happen like that anymore. What happens now is men have isolated themselves. Men are now almost an island to themselves. And I'm talking not necessarily the believers in the church, but men who we want to reach and everybody else. We, we are so busy. So now it becomes relational. So we got to figure out how can we be relational so we can touch men's lives that they would have a desire to hear what I have to say or that they would even trust what I have to say. You know, this, this becomes very, very, very important. And I, I want you to think on these things. How important is it that we touch a life? And let me ask you this. You have no idea. I really believe this based on my own experiences. You have no idea what God can do through you if you will be willing to step up. If you'll be willing, what did we say earlier? To man up and to be what God is calling you to be. God is impressed on your heart or you wouldn't be here. So I want to take a look at something for a moment. You are the one. Instead of looking, well, maybe we need a leader. Hey, we need somebody to come and do this. We need guys to, a bunch of, you know. no. You, It's got to start somewhere. So how about it starts with you? What if we start right here today? Some of you are already involved in it. Praise the Lord. But I want to encourage you and show you how maybe we can eventually evolve others. First thing we talked about a little bit this morning with Conan is you need to contact I'm sure you're pastor. Here's what I want to have. Here's what I want after right now. Let's assume your pastor's for it. Let's assume everything's a go. Okay, my first step is, I think, is for you to be trained. You got to know what you're doing. You that have men's ministries. How many of you think you're? How many? Of you, how many of you doing the best you can? Doing the best we can. Okay. Well, how do you know that? I mean, how do you know you're doing the best you can? What standard are you looking at? to compare to see if you are doing the best you can if we don't have something to judge it by we don't know if we're doing the best we can or not do we and i'm not putting that's not a negative don't take that as a negative look at it as huh maybe there is more i could do or maybe yeah what do i compare it to maybe i'm looking to the guy the church over here that runs a thousand and they've got 50 men you know maybe i'm comparing it to that maybe compared to that Compared to our church yeah we're doing pretty good is that what you want to compare it what did Conan say this morning what is it going to look like we got to see what it's going to look like you have to have a a heart for it to see where you want a men's ministry to go so the first step and we got that step done by faith pastor's all for it okay pastor train me show me how to reach men show me what to do here's what i want to share with you for a moment uh, uh just one tool that that that's been uh, been proven out to be pretty successful in some areas and 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 i let's liken it i think men, most of us in here we can we get construction okay so let's go with construction you know the white hat in construction is the boss the blue hat be more like the foreman and then you have the yellow hats that's us, okay. That's the average guy. So we, so, so there's a leadership pattern here, isn't there? In construction, there's your leadership pattern, okay. You need to be trained to become that white hat. Now you could allow that pastor could be the white hat. He can be the guy that's going to teach you and show you some things on how to minister to men, how to touch, and you know, let's not just look at men. How to minister to people. We want to minister men, but pastor, what do I do? And there's all kinds of really neat um training that you can get a hold of like conan said just go to youtube type in leadership men's ministry and they're going to give you all kinds of ways to lead but who's going to teach you how are you going to learn how are you going to know how to minister one-on-one let's look at one-on-one first because let's say this white hat um, let's just say for right now he's your pastor okay okay now here's you you're coming up to your pastor pastor Show me, teach me how what what are some questions I can ask? Here's my goal for you guys. Don't start with the mentality of I want 20 men in my men's ministry. Start and say, God, who do you want me to touch first? Whose life do I touch first? Hey, hey, Tom, what are you doing this week, man? How about how about meet me for a cup of coffee? Tom's like, uh, well, I'm sure. Okay. And he has the clue what's going on, right? Or maybe you befriend him, you just meet him in church, you see somebody in church. But somebody, you know, you got, how many families sometimes? I got a guy in my church today, guys, this is the most amazing thing. He came in, he shaves his head, he's tattooed all over his head. In fact, he's tattooed, I don't know this for a fact, but he tells me. (laughs) He's got a whole lot of tattoos on his body, okay? Well, you know what? He started coming to church because he didn't want to. His wife made him, okay? He comes to church, and he attended quite a few times, whatever. One day, he comes through the line at the end of the church. He goes, preacher, pastor, you got to me today, man. You really got to me. And he starts crying. Man, you... I, said, I said, Jeff, I didn't get to. Holy Spirit got to you. I said, he said, I said, you you need to give your life to Christ. He said, yeah, I want to do that sometime. Sometime. I said, how about right now? And he goes, right now? I mean, he got real serious. I was like, right now? right now Jeff let's go right back here I'm going to step right back in one of these Sunday school rooms let's ask Jesus in your life Oh, okay so we walk back there to that room he prayed the sinner's prayer you know what this was about two years ago he's on my advisory council now he's here today you look around and find a bald-headed guy with full of head of tattoos, go up to him and say, your pastor was talking about you, boy. You did good, man. Look at you here. But you know what? I meet with him every Thursday, for, well, every Thursday we can for lunch. And I'm taking on a mentorship with him, and I have the privilege now to pour into his life. Now lunchtime, I'm going to go eat lunch anyway. Okay, if you can find somebody where you can say, "Well, okay, now that I'm going, what do I say?" Well, that's where we're hoping that the pastor will pour into you. Or once again, now I'm going to be fair because I'm a pastor. We got a lot on our plate. What did Conan this morning? We're spinning a lot of plates. Okay, and to get add a few more plates is kind of tough sometimes. But what has to happen is. Even if he can't be your actual teacher, he can introduce you to something. You guys get on that YouTube and find out what's going on. And learn, what what kind of conversation would I start? What would I I actually say if I went out for this guy for coffee? Well, here's the thing you want to do. You just want to go out and you just want to be his friend. You don't have to have no rocket science here. You don't have to be an ordained minister with a college degree. Sit down with somebody and be their friend. And you know what? Holy Spirit will lead you in this. But what begins to happen is you begin now to have influence. And say what happens. Say pretty soon. In fact, what has happened like with Jeff, it's kind of like this principle. I started pouring into him, and now he's here today, and you know what? He's starting to duplicate himself. He's starting to tell people about Jesus. He's starting to tell people, man, you need to come to church. This boy had never been in church. In fact, he remembered a, he had a great revelation when he was walking through the hallway after he got saved. He saw some of our names on rooms and realized, why, do these, do these, does the pastor come here during the week? I thought he just preached on Sunday, you know? I thought that's all that happened. He had not a clue. But now that I'm being able to pour into him, now he is going to be meeting with others and he's going to begin to pour in with them. He's already touching people's lives. And what Pastor Tony was saying, that this whole principle, um, the goal would be this. The goal would be for you to actually reach three guys where you begin to spend time maybe with three guys. That might take a year or so before you get another two guys. It might be six months. It might be six weeks. You start looking around church. Now, are you willing? Guys, I want to tell you something. When you get involved with God and you get involved in ministry, it's inconvenient And I mean that in the right sense. All of a sudden, you're going to have to give up some of your time. All of a sudden, you're going to have to (sighs) take the time to meet this guy for coffee, okay? To take this time to uh, invite this guy to an event, whatever it may be. But you know what? I remember calling Jeff one day and said, hey, have you ever been to a uh, Harlem Globetrotters game? Nope. Hey, how about you You and and, and Wesley? How about you and your son? How about joining me? I'm treating, man. Let's go watch the Harlem Globetrotters. It's like, whoa okay yeah man let's go this was real early when we first got started now I'm blessed enough to be able to afford to do that maybe not everybody is but I thank God that I was able to do that but it began to build a relationship and that's when we start saying hey how about how about uh, you get an hour for lunch yeah yeah I get an hour for lunch Well, I'll tell you what how about once how about we get together sometime for lunch we'll start out at some time and now we try to do it every week and, and it's one of our, it's one of my highlights of the week. But you see what I'm talking about? It's how to begin to build a life. Now the now Jeff is on my council. Like I said, he's here today. He's getting involved in ways he would have never dreamed, and none of his friends would have ever dreamed. But when you met Jesus, it changes a lot of things, doesn't it? So once again, as simple as that is. Well, here's what happens. Say finally you get down here and, and you got Jeff and all of a sudden this guy really gets taken and he gets blessed. Well, maybe he'll start meeting with somebody. Or, and, and, and then maybe he'll meet another guy. Maybe what you're going to do is you're going to duplicate yourself. That's what we're talking about. He, you need with the heart. You know, I, I get this guys. Let me back up a minute. And, 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 and this is not to offend anybody in any way, but this can be intimidating to some people. Especially if you're not the outgoing, you're not this, you're that. But listen, the enemy is lying to you and telling you you couldn't do something like this. This is not rocket science. This is one-on-one. list caring for somebody and being their friend. You may say, well, I got four or five guys. All right, find another guy. And once you learn kind of what you want to have done, teach him. And then he can be a blue hat, if you will, or a yellow hat. He can get out there and begin to touch people's lives. But all we're doing is connecting to men. Connecting to men. That's how anything starts. You've got to connect. And we're going to start a men's ministry, or we want this ministry to go to the next level. Let's do it one man at a time. Let's not worry about numbers. Let's not worry about what we need to consider what you want success to look like. What does that success look like? My success would be if I could actually get one guy that I can touch his life and find him drawing closer to God. Wow! What if you only accomplish one guy? Well, it's not a very big men's ministry. <laughs> well, what, what? What do we? What do we consider a big men's ministry? Isn't big men's ministry still one man at a time? One man at a time. And as we begin to reach out to that one man, see, I think sometimes we look too big we, we're we looking out here thinking oh I don't know if I could do this oh this is too how can I get this accomplished one man at a time just begin to touch those lives don't worry about how fast well I hope by, by, by six months we'll have 30 guys well honestly it could happen and good luck with that really praise the Lord it's a great goal but who gets why are we in a hurry why don't we start somewhere with that one guy And you know what I believe? I believe if you'll seek God and pray, God will show you who that one guy is. Now don't think, once again, I'm going to go back and tell my pastor, Pastor, you need to do this. (laughs) It ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. Not that it can't happen, but being a pastor myself, what I love is when somebody comes to me and says, Hey, pastor, I really have a burden for this. What do you think? Great. Now bring that back to me and tell me what it looks like. Tell me what you see successful. What does that look like to you? Um, Uh, when it's accomplished. I want them to come back, kind of like Conan was sharing also in that first session, that, that, hey, build this thing. Let me see what it is. Don't come and say, here it is, Pastor. Go get that, man. That's my, my heart. I really feel we need to do that. That isn't how it works. You're here today because God brought you here. You know what I believe? This is divine appointment. You guys aren't here by accident. Well, I just happened to take that one class to fill. No, you didn't. God brought you here for this. So I want to encourage you to once again, one man at a time and and, and begin to structure that, begin to build that. Some of the things you'll talk about, you'll get into other things. You'll get into your activities. You'll get into all these. But what happens is if we can get one guy closer to Jesus, his family's going to be blessed, right? God's going to bless him. So let me ask you one more time. I'm going to give it back to uh, Pastor Tony here in a moment. But how important are you Would it really matter if you took this to heart and did this? Okay, I want to share just a quick illustration with you. And I'm the worst. I never remember names, okay? So I don't have the right names, okay? But this is what happened. There's a gentleman that is credited by literally saving like three billion lives. Something just so astronomical. Because he invented, came up with a way to scientifically um, enhance corn, of all things, that can grow in places where normally corn can't grow. So now there's countries around the world that are growing corn that never could before, and it's estimated that this man has saved around three, it could even be 30 for all I can remember, billion people growing every day. Would you say that was quite an accomplishment? Would you say that he ought to be blessed with that and get credit for that? but maybe they give the credit to the wrong person maybe the credit should have been given to the to the to the father who took his son, to classes with him in colleges, and introduced him. His dad was raised on a farm, so he really had interest, and introduced him to some of these guys that was in agriculture. And, the, and, and this guy started hanging out with different guys in the agriculture business, and, or, or the classes. And he learned a lot of things and got this interest. Maybe we ought to back up and give the dad credit for putting him, allowing him to be involved in that agriculture class. So maybe it really wasn't his success if his father hadn't done what he did. Okay, wait. Maybe the person that should get the credit would be the agricultural student that took this boy under his wing and and showed him all these different things. In fact, the one I'm thinking of was a gentleman named uh, George Washington Carver. Anybody remember that name? Wasn't he the peanut guy? Did I get that name right? He's the peanut guy. So he started telling this boy all these things that could happen from this peanut and all these things. This boy got all excited. Well, maybe if he could do it with that, maybe we can do it with the corn. So maybe it was George Washington Carver that should get the credit for the 80 or 30 billion. <laughs> it's getting bigger and bigger. Enough. For the 3 billion people whose lives have been saved. But wait a minute. Maybe it should have been this man and his wife who had George when he was a baby, if you will, and his mother living at their house back in Civil War days when these raiders came through and kidnapped or just stole, if you will, took the, the black mother and the son and and took off. And this farmer who loved this family rode three hours in the middle of the night to meet with, actually it was contrails father, uh, raiders at that time and gave him the only horse he owned and the raiders threw a burlap sack down and took off in the middle of the night and that man walked over and opened that sack and that little baby in there and he took that little baby George Washington and put him in his own under his shirt actually to walk with him to to save this little boy's life and he adopted that little boy the mother had already been murdered And guys, this is documented history, okay? So so he he takes him back and raises that boy as his own son. Maybe the three billion people that are being lives saved today should have been credited to the farmer who rescued George Washington Carver. Folks, you you guys get what I'm saying? Did he really have any idea that when he saved that baby that night that someday... 3 to thirty million billion people would, lives would be saved because he, well what he did he did a great thing but the, but it was very inconvenient, it was very difficult very dangerous. Guys don't ever underestimate what you do when you pour into somebody's life. You never know what that is going to do to another life. Maybe even 3 lives later something could be touched and changed because you took the time to follow God's direction, right? To do what you believe God wanted you to do and you you just begin to pour into one man who might later pour into his son. Who might, okay, here we go. Guys, this could go on forever. What do they even call it? They even got a name, like a butterfly effect. That little wing that flaps ends up being a tornado somewhere else. Yeah, okay, ever how that works. But guys, it's real. It's real. So don't ever underestimate why God has you here today. It just really may be for such a time as this. Amen? So once again, expanding that. Now, this is simple. Learn what to do. Go, okay, I, I need to have a plan. If I meet with this guy for, for coffee, let me at least have something to say. Maybe the first visit or two, we don't get real spiritual stuff. Maybe I have prayer with him before he goes. But what's going to happen is pretty soon he's going to open up. And, and then he'll begin to trust you. And there's a reason for that because you can be trusted. You're here because of his soul. You're here because you care. And when you care, It changes things. It changes things. So guys, once again, it's not rocket science, but it's going to take some effort from each one of us if we're going to be successful at anything that we do. Amen? Amen. Amen. Pastor Tony.
1: One of the, what pastor was talking about, um, it's called Project 13, and there's resources that are available if you look up Project 13 online. It's a, it's a program, a man, uh, Florida, is that where he's from? No, West Texas. West Texas. Uh, he, he created this structure, and you can actually get the whole packet online. It's pretty neat. But the idea is this Project 13 is that you have the white hat here, you have three blue hats, and then each of those have three yellow hats to them. And you build this kind of a structure... To be able to hold. So every 13 guys, you have this kind of a tier set up idea in that everybody's feeding into three men. And you're not taking on more than that. You're not trying to carry more than that. So there's, there's four things that I want to highlight real quick to change the different tiers. So basically you start out as you're, let's say you're the white hat, right? You went to the pastor. You got confirmation from the pastor. You're stepping in as the white hat. You're going to lead this men's ministry. The four things you need to teach to the blue hats is one, to develop trust. Two, is gain insight into their lives, into their needs. Three, to speak wisdom into their life. And then once those things are taught, you challenge them to find three guys to do that same thing. Okay? So, you say, how do do we get the tier system? You do those four things. You find three guys. You develop trust with those three guys. You gain insight into their needs. And then you speak wisdom into their life. And then once that process is kind of blossomed, then you challenge them to take those three things and go find three guys to do that with. And then that's how you kind of blossom this over time into this Project 13. And then once this tier is created, you say, okay, we kind of maxing this out. Then what you need to do is one of these down here, you can, you can pull one of these blue hats that's developed himself enough you create his own white hat here thing, and then you build up another 13. So your ministry grows in numbers by 13s. Does that make sense? So, pastor, pastor alluded to it a little bit, but I wanted to kind of give you a little bit of the detail there, um, just just on the on the actual building of the structure part. Uh. Pastor, do you want to hit on this real quick? The, the benefits of, we talked about a couple benefits of actually doing this to your ministry. Um, just hit these here right. for them real quick.
0: Sure. Sorry, guys. I get a little excited. <laughs> I get a little pumped about what I see what God can do and what He has done. But one-tenth, uh, one-tenth shepherd to sheep ratio limits effect. I know as a pastor in my leadership, You know, I work, we got to work down where actually I have a leadership team. There's three of us. I've got a number of different people on staff with us, but there's three of us. That I deal with, they have their responsibilities that report yada yada yada. But the bottom line is, there's only so many things you can do. You can't stretch yourself so far. That's why this 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 little situation here can really be a blessing for you because you'll do what you do with them up to maybe three people. You never really want to go more than three. Then after that, you take one of your three, or you're always watching for somebody you feel like can step into that. So. Uh, and it also is it diversifies. It's not you doing everything. Now you've got another person starting another group of three. And when that person finally gets to that place, maybe where they're ministering to three. And once again, you do, there's no set that you have to do three. If somebody feels like they're more comfortable with doing two, but they're reaching out and you're training somebody. I want to tell you, if you involve people in ministry, they're going to stay. They're going to, They're going to begin to get ownership of that. This is my ministry too. This is our men's ministry. This is not just, you know, I, I never like people to say, oh, I go over to Pastor Stephen's church. Now you go over to Grace Fellowship where Pastor Stevens may be the pastor. That is my church, but it's our church. It's our church. And it's important that we build that kind of thinking. So everyone, once again, is a, uh, is gathering together to make this happen. And, and you don't have the time to give to every man. None of us do. So then just pour into one or two men and then let them begin to pour into men. You don't have the inflow to give enough, uh, you don't have enough inflow to give enough outflow. There's just not enough of you but you put into motion others and this uh, will absolutely increase effect just like I shared with you with that butterfly effect it's just you, you, you could just keep going you never know what it's going to affect the other one but it will I guarantee you anytime you pour into somebody anytime it's going to affect and it's going to affect a whole lot more and, and actually you do this you're actually built to grow faster because one person's not doing everything You're beginning to, sure, you you have to start it. You get the training. You get whatever it needs. And then pour into that other person who pours into that other person. Guys, it's awesome. It just widens the capacity. It just makes it possible for you to reach even more. But don't ever be in a hurry. It's all up to Holy Spirit anyway. Let Holy Spirit guide that. You want it to be as strong as it can? Don't start it too soon. Don't start it too late. Pray and seek God. The Holy Spirit will lead you in that. He'll lead you in that. We're gonna come back and share with Holy Spirit experiences why what we have that nobody else has. Amen.
1: The uh, he, he talked about the diversity that you add when when you do something like this to your ministry and you actually start putting this thing's awesome. When you start when you start diversifying your ministry, it's no it's no hidden fact that him and I come from different generations, right? Like he's a couple years older than I am. I, two, three, something like that, you know? I, I, yeah. I know who signs the paycheck. Uh, I, I'm going to attract different people than he is. So when he puts me into action, I start to reach demographics that he'll never even talk to, right? When you start to do something like this, you're not only. We, we get this mentality that I'm the only one that can reach people. Right, All the weight's on me. I have to carry this. When you start to put other people into action and they get the ownership like he was talking about, they start to go, he's going to talk to people that I'm never going to talk to. I'm going to talk to people he's never going to talk to. So when he puts me into action, it gets me into a whole different demographic than he'll never see. So that's why this is so important because you actually start to get new people that you would never reach or never even think to reach. uh, So we talked about the first one. The the first way that you're going to grow your men's ministry is through deepening the relationships, the spiritual relationships of these men. We talked about how to do that with discipleship. The second one that we want to highlight is having Holy Spirit experiences with your men. This probably isn't something you hear as much of, uh, but we see it as a vital, vital part of what you're doing. We talked about how every man's time is pulled, right? it's, It's sad that we can get more guys to come to a Super Bowl party than we can to a prayer meeting. You know what I mean? But it just shows us that there's work to do. There's work to be done. There's there's teaching to be taught. If a guy is busy, he probably won't be attracted to go to a cookout or a hike with a bunch of guys he doesn't know. Okay? And that's unfortunate as, as an event planner for a church, right? Because we want to bring those guys in that are those fringe guys that, that really haven't sold themselves out. And every time the church doors are open, they're there. They're not there. They're, they're, they're busy with their lives. They're busy with other things. Um. I heard a guy say this one time, I was, I was, we were driving somewhere, I don't remember where it was, he said, before he got saved, if he really wanted to go somewhere to be entertained, he would just go to a nightclub. Okay, well, <laughs> I mean, he said, if I wanted to go somewhere to hang out with people and have fun, I'd just go get drunk at the bar. So, we, we, get, we get caught in this, I want to try to be more fun and more, more attractive with lights and cameras in action than these other things that the world has to offer. God never intended that we're supposed to get into that kind of battle. He never intended that we're supposed to commit to that. Uh, I mean, it's a true fact that for a sinner, getting drunk and sleep with a hooker is more entertaining than a cornhole tournament with hot dogs. I mean, we can be as frank, pun intended, as you want to be, but it's more attractive to them to go do something like that the world is going to have something that seems much more fun to them than, than just coming in. Now, hear me. I'm not bashing events that we have at the church. I'm just saying we don't need to try to battle on that kind of front. Why? Because we have the secret ingredient that they will never have. It's called a tangible experience with the Holy Spirit. They cannot touch that high. No drug can touch that high. No alcohol can touch that high. No party, no laser light show, no nightclub, no girl can touch the high of experiencing the Holy Spirit in a tangible way. So I'm talking about getting men together in a corporate experience and inviting the Holy Spirit. One of the ways we do it is is we actually would just do... Um, we would just do a service where we get the guys together and you mean you could call it a prayer meeting, you could call it an encounter, you could call it whatever name you wanted to, but the idea is you get men together and you allow the Holy Spirit to show up and do what the Holy Spirit does. Don't try to, to restrict the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna talk a little bit about some some actual uh, some some things that we did that, that showed accept, uh, successful. But when you do this, you do two things. One is you give them a taste of something that the craving will never be met by anything else. When they experience the Holy Spirit in a tangible way, they'll search for other things, but there's only one thing that, that God sized whole in all of us, the old school song. But it's true that once they taste that, they look for that again until they find it, or they find where it comes from, or they find a group of people that are offering that. Two, um, the the man when he when he has an experience with it, he won't. You won't have to go plan really cool events to try to get him to come back. You, you it takes you out of the party planning. And puts you back into looking for those supernatural opportunities where these men can can corporately experience the Holy Spirit again. It's it's the adage of, I don't know, when pastors got out of being ambassadors for the presence of God as opposed to becoming party planners. You know, we we do that in churches to be attractive to people. We plan parties as opposed to just trying to find out how we can get people in the atmosphere of the presence of the Almighty God. Um... They, 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 like I said, it can't get that high anywhere else. We, we can't talk cool enough. We, we can't have a cool enough face-to-face, um, you know, encounter with someone that's gonna that's gonna be bigger and better than encounter with Jesus. Why why is it so attractive to people? Because it's bigger than church. It's bigger than life. It's bigger than bulletins. It's bigger than church softball. It's bigger than all these things. We've got a softball team. I play on the softball team. I'm not kicking on softball teams. I'm just saying this experience is so much bigger. This may not be for all of your guys. Right? You know your guys. You know where they're at spiritually. You know what they're ready for. But when you start getting into something like this and you're starting to do training and you're starting to grow your men's ministry, there's some guys that need to taste this because they're ready for it. Uh, So like I said, you can call it whatever you want. What we would do is we would get them together. We'd invite the Holy Spirit and we would just say, Holy Spirit, come. Lead this service. Lead this next hour of our time. Start small. Start with a half an hour. Keep guys' attention that way. Let the Holy Spirit show up. Let them start tasting that thing. I mean, you've, you've got to lay some ground rules as far as keeping order to things so that guys aren't you know, distracting each other and kind of things. And you know, As far as if words of knowledge start coming out or, or things like that coming, you want to have a pad and paper, paper there ready to write things down. So You want to keep order to these things, but you have to allow the Holy Spirit to flow. I mean, I'm talking. I'm talking anywhere from praying. Uh, there were there were nights we would we would just do worship the whole time and no one talked and we would just lay flat out on the floor and just prostrate in front of the Holy Spirit and just let the Holy Spirit just wash over us. Like there were nights where we have guys, uh, the Lord would would pop a thing about pornography and we would just throw it out there and then guys would just start confessing about stuff that they were struggling with and we pray over the guys that, that needed that 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 touch from God in that moment. You think about it this way. The Holy Spirit knows, even right in this room, He knows every one of our hearts right now. He knows every single need in this room right now. I don't. We could sit here for the next two hours and you could all talk and tell me and I could try to write it down. I still won't know all the depths of what everything is. But He does. So when you let Him show up and lead the service, He's going to touch simultaneously everybody's needs at the same time. I can't plan that. We can't plan that well enough. But when you let him show up, so there was dancing, I mean, dude. If you're a writer, some guys just like to write. You let them sit down and write. You read the Bible sometimes, praying over each other. Uh, I've seen people paint in the presence of the Almighty God, uh, just crying, right? Some words of knowledge would come forth. We'd have guys that that would say, man, I don't know why I'm seeing this picture, but I'm seeing this. And another guy would be like, dude, that was the word for me. Like, Like straight up, that's exactly what I needed to hear. So when you allow the Holy Spirit to show up and you allow him to start using the gifts of the Holy Spirit to minister to your group, Way more is going to be accomplished than you could ever plan on paper. You know, uh, revelations would come forward, and then we even had times when God would want to highlight healings to do. He'd want to highlight things for us as men, as a corporate men group, to pray over, right? And we would intercede for that thing in our church and our families. That was that was one a lot. Uh, God would God would highlight our families or highlight our children, and we would just go to war over our children spiritually or, or our wives spiritually, and. Uh, it, the confession aspect was amazing for guys this raw authentic um hey man i'm struggling with this dude i'm struggling with that too and you, all of a sudden you realize you're not the only one right battling that same battle and this confession, and then we prayed over together, and you walked out of there legitimately feeling like the old Roman uh, battles where they took their, soul, their, sh- their shields and they locked them together. Why were, there, why were they so strong? Because they locked them together. So if this guy got killed or stabbed and he went back, his shield may have been vacant, but it was still locked into the whole line, so strong all the way across. You walked out feeling like you were part of something bigger than yourself. There's so many happening, so many things happening at once in that kind of a setting. It can be a little intimidating as a leader to step into something like that. But the more that you do it, the more that you conduct that, the more comfortable you'll get as a leader to invite the Holy Spirit to be a part of it. Right? That's that's the biggest thing. Is man, what if what if, what if I'm not needed anymore? Right? And you may not say that out loud, but as as a leader, we get that. What what if what if I'm not necessary? You're never going to be able to minister to all the guys in that room at the same time, even in the next week or the next month or the next year. So let the Holy Spirit do it. It has to be spiritually spiritually sensitive. Don't be fake, right? Don't get in there and start trying to be and trying to act a certain way. Guys want to see authentic, real men encounter the Holy Spirit. This is huge. Teach while you go. Most of these men probably have never seen anything like this. We would do it and some guy had been growing up Pentecostal and they'd speak in tongues. And I watch the eyes of other dudes like, like, what's he saying? You have to teach while you go. Right? Take the opportunity. I mean, in the middle of the whole thing. I would stop in the middle of the whole thing and tell the whole group, hey guys, this is what just happened. And explain it to them so that they understand along. You don't, you don't it's like you can you can do one thing and just drag them along and hope they get it one day. Or you can take time because if you take time in the beginning and they learn it took three or four weeks and by the time three or four weeks I had taught a little bit about this These guys are jumping in and doing it themselves because now they know the why behind the what and I didn't have to drag them along They were running in front of me like they're they're showing up early to the thing Hey, can we get a little bit more time in this? Like let's not stop this because you have to stop and take time to teach as you go You have to get rid of the the performing aspect and have an authentic, a vulnerable, you have to use the language that they're going to understand. We've all, if you've been in church long enough, I mean, you could say atonement, and you could say salvation, and you could say redemption, and you could say revelation, and you could say the blood of Jesus and the blood of the Lamb, and people would be like, What cult are you talking about? Like, if you're not saved, that language is scary. So when you're in something, especially a Holy Spirit kind of thing, that's obviously intimate. We can go into Old Testament stuff and talk about, you know, the, the the inner courts and the holy of holies. And dudes are like, I have no clue what you're talking about. You have to explain along the way and use language that they're comfortable with. Authentic, being authentic with this whole thing. Don't be fake. Just encounter spiritual freedom and teach them along the way because they probably have never experienced anything like it before. There's going to be different things that happens in different ways. He has never, ever failed me or disappointed me in a moment when I let him lead the service. Never. I, it never ceases to amaze me, the things that come out, the different ways things happen. Right? Sometimes you sit there and there's the awkward moment and then one guy breaks. Sometimes you got to be that first one to dive in. It's the whole pool analogy that everybody's sitting around the edge of the pool and waiting for somebody to dive in. And you being a leader, dude, you got to go authentic first. got to say, look, this is what I'm struggling with. This is what I need prayer for, guys. And when you dive in, it's like you just have to break the tension of the water, and these guys are ready to go. But when you teach, you show off even how you're authentic, how you learned. Hey, I learned this. So and so years ago, from this person, they see that you didn't just wake up one day and you were this spiritual being that conducts the Holy Spirit. <laughs> they have to see this authentic aspect about you. Um, Pastor, is that? I think we. Oh, okay. So, Pastor's going to come back up, and he's going to he's going to conduct the uh, the question and answer time for you. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
0: So guys, anybody have any thoughts? Anything else? Any questions or anything about you know, we've got just a few minutes with you guys here and we try to cram everything in just but to really plant that seed that, that you can do this and um, and the Holy Spirit is your is your partner, if you will. And and He will lead us and guide us in this. Any questions? Yes, sir. Or, or the, uh, uh, man, Tony Tony, Tony talk about uh, uh, training
1: them or
0: allowing them.
1: So I would say the weight of meeting new people and training new people, because it'd be really easy for you to sit here and try to train everybody, but when you carry weight, you're training, so the whole thing of, of you learn their needs, and then you speak into their life, you're training them how to do that with other guys, so you're not the one that meets them for coffee every week. Right? You're not the one that has to train them how to how to look into somebody else's life. So when they do it, they're carrying the weight of these. Each one of these members represent weight. right? And the bigger the circle, the more weight. If he's a blue hat, he's carrying more weight because he's carrying other guys. So when you do this and you train as you go and you allow them and you enable them to go do ministry, you're letting them carry the weight of this section as opposed to you trying to carry all these dudes individually. Does that make sense? Does that answer your
0: question? Okay. Anyone else? Tony, it's both organic and intentional. You, you, you start somewhere, but you kind of have to let it grow True. in that direction, but yet you want it to go somewhere. Sure. But So there's, there's an organic part of it as well as an intentional part of it. But I think it has to begin with intention. I'm going to meet with somebody. Too. And then the organic part... Can can take place because you do have a an end in mind. You you want them to grow, sure. and want them to be able to ultimately be able to invest in somebody else. So the question in in all of that right. comment is in this thirteen where they give these four uh, aspects. Uh, do it in, and I know I can find that out. But do they offer how to uh, get trust? How to. Do they give you means by which hey, these are questions that, as you're discussing, can help bring out
1: the whole idea of developing trust. Yeah. There there is a lot of examples in that book. There and are. that book is very well written. So I know we didn't cover it today, but it is. I don't know, are you getting it? Well, you I can have get it, you can get it online, the Project 13. Right. There you go. Right. And there's a ton of examples in there. There's uh, there's much more detail, so obviously we gave a pretty like sixty thousand. We just jumped out of the airplane parachute style. We just gave the sixty thousand view, and there's a lot more from zero to ground level kind of thing in that book. Um, as far as to answer to answer your question or how, we didn't answer a lot of how. We kind of said, hey, this is this is an idea of structure, and then and that's the organic part too. There's going to be, I mean, him and I are hunters, right? So there's going to be things that we could do a hunting group. And we could go out hunting together and we could we could talk about how you know we're gonna we're gonna develop trust through hunting, but you may not be a hunter, or your guys around you may not be a hunter at all. So that's the organic part is each ministry, if God's put you there, there's something in you that God wants done in that area that's gonna be different for different people.
0: And just an example once again of your question, this booklet has things like uh, resist the urge to hide your problems or your past to make yourself look good. Transparency is key to trust and insight. So it lists a number of things to to help build that trust. To show you how uh, questions to ask, it's got recommended questions um, for each one. It also uh, has um, strategies um, to to reach men, teach the value of serving, evaluate their gifting, develop a job description, but it shows you how to do that. So when you do sit down with somebody you want to influence. um, It doesn't just leave you trying to come up with your own thoughts and ideas. It'll give you suggestions that you can use that will take you to where your comfort zone is, I believe. Sometimes we're not comfortable asking certain ways, but God will show you and lead you. I'm confident in that. This here is just a tool, if you will. uh, Discipleship coaching questions. Uh, Listen actively. How are you personally? How's the family? How's your spouse? It actually gives some suggestions on starting a conversation, you know. And uh, Robert, get, Kennedy, Robert
1: Kennedy. Robert Kennedy's is the one that wrote that. Yes. The Project Thirteen. If you're looking for it.
0: Uh, He's men's director of West Texas Assembly of God um, headquarters there in West Texas. But yes, his name is Robert Kennedy, and it is Project Thirteen. And I'm pretty sure I know if you go to that website, uh, West Texas Assembly of God, uh, it, will, it will you can pull up or just go to. Uh, the project 13 with his name on it. Uh, but but the answer to that is yes, it gives some suggestions and things to help you and lead you in that direction. Anyone else? Yes? Uh, another question. It has to do more with shifting from fellowship to emphasizing spiritual. Um, how do you go about doing that? More that. The the premise, the base of the ministry was Yeah. in fellowship.
1: This is is the, you know, this class, I think the target of this class was to people that have existing ministries. So it would say that you're already doing some fellowship well, enough to have guys in your ministry. If that's not the case, that's fine. But this target where we were going with this is very much to people that already have men there. So what you're doing is you're looking at the men you have and saying, he's ready. Yeah, not yet. He's ready. He's ready to in. No way. You know what I mean? And you can go to those and say, hey, we're going to start a prayer group and start doing these personal invites to these guys. And then as they're doing it and they're starting to spread that to other guys. So, yes, the fellowship aspect is there to what? Get you guys to come in. Right? So what we're saying to take it to the next level is to develop their spiritual life and allow them to start experiencing the Holy Spirit. So how do you do that? It's you and the leader to look for those guys to invite to that kind of thing. Or as far as the uh, the tier thing goes, with the deepening their spiritual relationships, that's very much a special. They're all invitation aspects. You know, you're you're looking for leaders that hey, look for three guys that you see are ready for you to start training. Okay, you know, they they start looking, they start talking to people. So that's carrying weight too. Is they're they're the ones out looking for the three. You're not looking for for them. Make sense.
0: But I, I, I would also encourage one more time that you don't have to rush this. We want it to happen. And of course we always want it to happen right now. But if we start with those one or two guys, maybe our first meeting is just three of us as we seek Holy Spirit yeah, awesome. as we begin to pray. Two or three of us. Maybe it's one-on-one. Maybe you and one other guy just come with me and we I want to really pray and Help me catch this vision for our men's ministry. But what you're doing is you're pouring into this other guy that's going to catch that same vision very possibly and, and begin, begin small, I think. Now, once again, the Holy Spirit can do whatever He wants. He's liable to come in sometime and just zap <laughs> The whole entire group, it could happen. But at the same time, I think is more probably more likely to happen is that we begin and God begins to move through us to touch people's lives. And 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 it's always in His timing. That's what we want. Any anyway. we don't want to get ahead of God, and we also don't want to try to make it happen. Yeah. Don't get into a situation where nothing seems to be going on, and you're trying to make it Holy Spirit happen. Make Him, but you know we know we can't do that. So why even try? We just need to just pray and seek Him and allow Holy Spirit to do what He does best. Amen. Well, guys, listen. Thank you. Our time's up, and we always appreciate you guys coming out and being a part of this. Hey. How many of you have never been to a? How many of you do not know what a game day is for men's ministry? Anybody here not know what a game day is? Anybody else? Yeah. We do a men's convention in Ohio once a year, and we call it Game Day. And I mean, guys, listen, this this pretty exciting thing. Last year we had around 600 men that came out, and and had oh man, we did it at the campgrounds. Um, We have a Friday night service. And man, that's the power. That listen, those altar services on Friday night. You may say, "Well, you don't know my guys. They're not too spiritual, whatever." But guys, I'm telling you, I don't know what it is. Gathered a bunch of men together. But last year, we, we do a lot of things to try to get people there. That's why we call it Game Day. One of them. We got all kinds of activities. We got everything from shooting skeet to shooting pistols to running mud runs, three on three basketball, bow shooting, uh, cornhole. Um, uh, it's all It's all under, if you go under men's ministry, you can find out all these details at the, at the Ohio Network. Um, but, but the thing one pastor told me, I could never get my son to go to my son-in-law. But he found out you were shooting pistols, and he loves to shoot pistols. I brought my son-in-law, finally got him to come. Gives his heart to Jesus on Friday night. Never could get him to go to the altar. Couldn't even get him to come to church and to this day that man is in church uh, just serving God it's just an awesome thing to see what God can do so I really want to encourage you guys it's May 19th and 20th it's on a Friday night it's over Saturday around 3 o'clock and it's just an awesome experience that we would like to invite you to and you need to start signing up because there's only so many beds at that campground now we do have motels on outskirts that some guys stay at the motels too. But the great thing about being right there, one pastor told me, I have spent more time with my men this weekend than I have for the 10 years I've been their pastor. Because you guys eat together. Well, I want to say this carefully. Sleep in the same room. Okay, not sleep together. I want to go there. But sleep and, and play together and honestly worship together after the service we even asked the the, the the groups to get together and put some questions up on the screen that went along with what happened that night And uh, guys it's a powerful experience it really is and and I want you to really encourage you to look into that and, and what a great way to start a men's ministry is get a few guys to come out with you and they'll catch a vision and excitement of what can happen in men's ministry it's pretty powerful and and I just really want to encourage you guys. We, we've done a number of different things, added a few other things this year. We got a speaker who spoke last year. Uh, 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 What's my mind go blank on me? Uh, uh, he's uh, a. McCreary. They, no, one of them guys is our comedian. Guy, funny guy. Is his name McCreary? Yeah. Okay, then we got the speaker, McLean, I believe, is his name. Anyway, guys. He, he he he's he's funny. He's powerful, and then he just slaps you in the face with the gospel. It's just wow! And God just moves. It's just a powerful thing to see what God can do through men. Really consider that. As, as some of the the thing is in your um, pamphlet there. One of the advertisements about it gives a little more detail and shows you where to connect up with that. So we'd love to see you guys at that as well. Guys, God bless you, man. Thanks for coming. Just trust that God's going to bless you and all that you put your hand to. Amen. Amen.